Last week, we started a new series talking about killing something that has the potential to kill us. It kills our relationships. It kills our reputations. It kills our careers. Do you remember what that was? What is that thing? Pride, not the good pride, not the good pride where you're proud of your children or that inspires people to change or to to excel to greatness. We're talking about the type of pride that shuts God and other people out. We said that that for too long, pride has held the remote control and we have worshiped pride. Whatever pride tells us to do, we do it. If it says don't apologize, we don't apologize. And we said it's time that we take that remote control back from pride, give it to Jesus and begin living the life that God created for us in our mother's womb. It's time to do that. Now today... We're going to talk about the three P people. What are the three P's? The first one is power. You have some type of power. You may not have a lot of power, but you've got some type of power. Second is um, prestige. You've got some prestige. People know you for something, whether it's your soup, your jalapeno, crawfish, chowder. I don't know what it is. You've got something that you're known for, something you're good at. Maybe at your job, you're known. You excel in this area. People look up to you for something. And then the last thing is possessions. You have more stuff than you need. That's some possessions. Now, whether you're a one, two, or three P person, you have unique challenges when it comes to pride. And denying you have pride is not actually humility. It's actually deception. It's actually evil. It's actually denial, and it comes from the pit of hell. And if you deny that, here's the reason. If you deny you have some power, some prestige, and some possessions, you will actually misuse your power, your prestige, and your possessions, and you definitely will not use those things for the glory of God. And besides... Some of you are thinking, well, I'm not one of those people. There are, let me just say this, there's about 8 billion people in the world. That's our population. About 3 billion, look at this number, 3 billion with a B, as in boy, 3 with nine zeros, 3 billion people. If they were to spend a couple of hours in your life today, after church today, they would say, oh, you are most definitely 3P people. Because 3 billion, at least 3 billion people live on $2.50 per day. If they make $2.50 per day for 365 days, that's $912 they will make for the year. That's if they get it every day. And about half of these 3 billion people live on less than $1.25 a day. You do that for a year over 365 days. If they get it every day, $416 a year, they would say you're 3P people. If you were to go to Haiti with us or Belize or if you even go where we're going to put on the roof in, in Houston this, this January and maybe put in a floor, we're talking about that as well, that lady who, who nobody has touched her house for months, that lady would say, you're, you're definitely 3P people. And if you, could, if you could just spend any time in their presence, you would say, man, I have so much compla- compared to them. Guess what? You have just identified yourself as 3P people. That means I'm talking to you today whether you're here or on the internets. Now, we're going to look at a story of, of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. We're going to call him Nebuchadnezzar because that's what VeggieTales does. He was the most powerful man on the planet at that time. And whenever he would conquer a nation, he would do a couple of things. First of all, he would take whatever god, whatever idol that that nation worshipped, he would take that back and he had this massive god collection because this guy was a bad dude. And he, he'd conquered all kinds of kingdoms, every kingdom. Whatever god they worshipped, he'd take it, put it in his god collection. My god's bigger than your god. My god's better than than this God, because my God allowed you, allowed me to take, conquer you. So that was one thing he'd do. Second thing he would do is he would take the young people, the young men who showed the most potential, and, and you're going to see some guys we're talking about from, from Jerusalem, 
today, he would take them into his service and he would give them a three-year training program. They get the best food, the best exercise, the best education. At the end of that time, they would be tested. And if you pass the test, if you rose to the top, the cream of the crop of the best of the best of the world, then you could be given some type of job in the government of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so... um, um, it was kind of a brilliant strategy because if you think about it, you know, if we had the U.S. Olympic team, that's a good team you take from the, the, just the athletes in the United States. But what if you broadened it in the whole world? If your Olympic team came from the world, you're going to have more opportunity to get the better athletes. Well, that's what he would do. The better people, let's train them in our ways, and then let's let them be advisors in different parts of the kingdom. Now, when he conquered Israel, part of the people that he carried off, because God pronounced this, he carried off from, from Israel, from Jerusalem to Babylon, were three young men you've probably heard of. Their names are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are the names given to them, but those are kind of a mouthful. And so I want to I show you how Veggie Tales will help you remember their names. What are your names, boys? I'm Shadrach. I'm Meshach. I'm a bumblebee, a Benny Boo. Benny. A bumblebee, a bendaboo. I, you know, that's kind of hard to say. That's just what I thought of when I was studying this. So we're going to call them Rack Shack and Benny. Say Rack Shack and Benny. Rackshack. Say Rack Shack and Benny. Rackshack. All right, you're doing good. The Bible tells us that sometime after he had taken all these guys back, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And, and it really bothers him, and so he calls all his magicians together. Now, Daniel's not in the, in the inner circle yet. He calls magicians, astrologers, stargazers, all those type of people in, and he says, says this, The king replied to the astrologers, astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me my dream, what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. Now, would that get your attention? The king says, Hey, I had a dream. You need to tell me the dream and what it means, or I'm going to cut you repeatedly into several pieces and then I'm going to pile up your house into rubble. Would that get your attention, right? And so the wise guys, they're like, what do you mean? And they said, oh, great king, live forever. Tell us your dream and then we'll interpret it. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I want to know how good you are. You, can, you could make something up. You're stalling. I want to know. You tell me my dream and its interpretation or I'm going to cut you. The wise guys are incredulous. And they say, the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asked. No king, however great and, great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. Lowercase g, big deal. Remember, he has, he has his own little god collection. No one can reveal this to the king except the gods, lowercase g, that's the idols, and they do not live among humans. Now, if you've read the Bible at all, if you've come to new life at all, you know this can't be the end of the story. You know there's about to be a plot twist, something big about to happen. At this point, Daniel hears about it. So the king's bodyguard goes out and says, we're going to kill everybody. We're going to cut you into pieces. And he's like, why is it so harsh? And he said, well, the king's had a dream. So Daniel comes to the king and he says to the king, hey, give me a couple of days and I'll come back to you and give you the interpretation. Then he goes back and he finds Rackshack and Benny. He says, boys, we better pray or we're going to die a painful death. Let's pray that God reveals this to us. After a couple of days, Daniel comes back and the king says, are you able to tell me my dream and its interpretation? Daniel says, no mere man can do what you've asked. And then look what he says. This is the first thing on your listening guide. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Notice it's a capital G. There is one that surpasses all your God collection. He's not, we don't have images of him. He's greater. He's in heaven and he reveals mysteries. And after clearly giving glory to God, Daniel says, 
God is showing you what's about to happen, and he tells him the interpretation. Once he does all of this, he tells him the dream. Nobody knows it but King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel reveals it to him, tells him the interpretation. Look how Nebi responds. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered uh, that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods, capital G, lowercase g, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, capital L, lowercase K, and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this. He said, you could not have done it. You know somebody that's greater than you, greater than any of these other gods. You know the God. So in this story, who gets the glory for what just happened, Daniel or the God of gods? It is the God of gods, and that's what he wants is glory, only the true God. Now, because of that, the king says, Daniel, man, you're going to get all this stuff. I'm going to promote you in my kingdom because there's no one like you. And, and Daniel's like, hey, what about my friends, Rack, Shack, and Benny? This is really in the scripture. And he's like, oh, sure, come on. They're friends of yours. Yeah, let's give them a place too. The very next chapter, okay, the king says, God of gods, none like him. Very next chapter, chapter 3. Uh, the king builds a statue 90 feet tall, and he overlays it with pure gold, and he invites all of of the entire land. So it'd be like in Texas if we, if we had this big thing down in Austin and they invited every mayor of every city, every city council member, all of the state representatives, all of the state senators, they come down and they see this massive gold overlaid statue and Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, by the way, meet your statue that you're about to worship. When we play the music, you must fall on your face and worship this statue. Ready, set, go. They play the music and everybody's like, Poof, because he said, if you don't, I'm going to put you in the fiery furnace. So first I'll cut you. Now I'm going to burn you to death. This guy has messed up. And so they play the music. Boom. Everybody hits their faces except the three Hebrew boys. Now, we don't know why Daniel wasn't there. Maybe he was off on a trip. We do Scripture doesn't tell us. It just says that, that Daniel, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rach, Shach, and Benny were there. They did not bow. And, and it says that the people were watching them. Because these were foreigners who'd been promoted ahead of them. Foreigners from Jerusalem had been promoted ahead of them. And they were jealous of them, and they watched, and they said, Oh, king, live forever. We love you, king. You're the greatest king ever. We hate to tell you this, but those Hebrew boys, they didn't bow down. You promoted them, but they don't bow down. We just thought you should know. So the king calls them in. He says, Did you bow, guys bow? No. He says, Okay, I'm going to give you another shot. We're going to play the music, and if you bow, then, then, I, then I'm not going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And then he says, what God is able to deliver you? I've got this collection. My God is better than them. What God is able? And they said to him, King, we don't even have to answer you about this, but here, you need to know this. Our God, the God, is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us, but even if he does not, we're not bowing, and the king is furious. It's a capital offense to say no to the king. He tells them to, to heat the furnace seven times hotter. He gets valiant warriors, the scripture says, to tie up Rakshak and Benny and to go and throw them in. And the fire is so hot that the valiant warriors immediately fall down dead. Rakshak and Benny stumble in and, and their, their, whatever their ropes or whatever it was binding them falls off of them. And the scripture says that they are walking around. They're just hanging out. Hey, bud, what's up? What's up? Not too hot here. I don't know. And the king looks in and he goes, weren't there just three guys that we stuck in there? And they said, yes, O king, there's three. And he said, there's four. And one of them looks like the son of the gods, lowercase g. He did not know the real God. He's not talking about Jesus. And this could have been a pre-incarnate, if you want to talk about that later, a pre-incarnate um, uh, instance where Jesus showed up. We don't know that for sure. But some type of being comes in there, frees them, and they're walking around. Hey, what's up? What's up with you? What's up with you? 
Valiant warrior's dead. And the king says, come out. So they come walking out. Scripture says, this is very interesting. Scripture says, they did not smell like smoke. Not a hair on their heads or on their bodies was singed. Their clothes were not harmed. The only thing that fell off of them were the ropes that the valiant warriors put on them. So King Nebuchadnezzar is pretty astonished, and he says this in verse 28, chapter 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God, capital G, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god, lowercase g, except their own god, uppercase, capital G. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything about the god of Rakshak and Benny, here it is, be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble. He is seriously psycho. I will cut you. Look what he says. For no other god can save in this way. No other lowercase god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they wanted to destroy them. The other guys, instead, they, God magnifies them, and they get promoted. Now, two times in two chapters, back-to-back -back in the Bible, King Nebuchadnezzar saw God do something no other God could do, and he proclaims no other God can do it. And you would think he would say, this God is greater than any other God. You'd think that, right? You'd think that he would be convinced, and you would be wrong. Because this, this king struggled because he was surrounded by a bunch of idiots who all they, oh, king, you're awesome. Oh, king, live forever. Your voice is like the voice of a god. No, no human being can be treated like that over and over again and expect to remain humble. <laughs> About 25 years later, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And Daniel um, includes part of that dream in his book. Now, what he did was Nebuchadnezzar writes a letter. It's kind of like the Babylon Herald Press, and he sends it to the whole nation, and Daniel includes this article in the book of Daniel, chapter 4. Here's how he starts. So Nebuchadnezzar's writing this. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. He's better than the gods I have in my closet. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. Man, I had it made. I had a dream that made me afraid, and I was lying in my bed. The images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Baddest dude on the planet. At the, at the drop of a hat, he can say it, and you can be cut to pieces. He's terrified. Now, in his dream, he sees this massive tree, and then he hears a voice from heaven say, cut the tree down. Then the voice continues and says this in verse 17. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones decree the verdict so that the living may know. All right, now every time we see this today, I want you to read this out loud. So we're going to practice a couple of times. Crowd participation Sunday. I already warned you about this. So we're going to say the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. And then we're going to say and gives them to anyone he wishes. All right, so let's practice. We're going to do it twice. Ready? The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth, breathe, and gives them to anyone he wishes. I'm teaching you how to do responsive reading. We're not going to do responsive reading in this church, but I did that as a kid, and it was, you know, you couldn't get two people to agree. Anyway, let's do it again one more time. The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And then the last part of the verse says, and sets over them the lowliest of people. King Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel this dream, and Daniel's face goes white as a ghost. And the king goes, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, great king. See, for whatever reason, I, I think that Daniel loved this king. He'd served him for years. 
And he said, oh, king, I wish this, this dream was about your enemies, but it is about you. You are the tree that's about to be cut down. Verse 24, this is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree. The most high, he keeps using it, the most high is issued against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times. We, we don't know if this is seven days, seven months, seven years. We think it's seven years, and I'll show you why in a minute. Most, most uh, commentators I read said seven years. Seven years, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge, here we go, second time, that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to whoever he pleases. Wishes, sorry. I keep turning around in the middle of that and I get lost. It's exactly what happened on one of the songs a while ago. I just bombed that song terribly. Uh, anyway, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. I want you to say heaven rules. Heaven rules. O king, there is something that you have not grasped and the Most High is about to help you understand it. And it is this, heaven rules rules. Now in this this particular story, it's the only time that phrase in Hebrew heaven rules is used in the entire Bible is in this story heaven rules. And Daniel begs the king, he says, "Oh king, please repent of your ways and maybe God won't bring this calamity upon you." Because see, one of the things that that the king did was he was oppressive to the poor. He was merciless to the poor. And in the Old Testament, kings are very clearly instructed, you take care of poor people, you take care of widows, you take care of orphans, or you answer to me, God says. And Daniel says, if you'll, if you'll repent, maybe God won't bring this on you. Do you think the king repented? No. If you grew up like my kids did on SpongeBob, you'll understand this, 12 months later. I mean, when I read that, that's what I thought. I, I didn't watch much SpongeBob, but I, I heard that, and it drove me crazy. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is this not, now watch the, watch the pronouns he uses, is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The king of the known world walks around on the roof of his massive palace and begins to talk about power, prestige, and possessions and he says i did this and it's all for me and you're going 12 months later jack and if you were watching a movie we'd be going no don't say it we were in the car the other day and hannah's watching some show and i don't even know what it is and she's going no don't open the door and janie and i are looking at each other looking, she's talking don't do it you're an idiot you know that's what you'd be saying to king don't say those words verse 31 even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. Now, a couple of things. Number one, God's saying to him, you are a king. You are not the king. See, that, word, that phrase taken from you means it was given to you by someone else. And it can be taken from you. Since you are a king and not that the king, it also means you are accountable to the king for what you have been given. You are accountable to the king. The one who gave it to you says, you're going to answer for what I've given you. So here's the deal. You have a kingdom. I have a kingdom. It may be very small. 
You have some possessions. You have some power. You have some prestige. I do too. And we are going to be held accountable for how we use that stuff that has been given to us by the king. Now, look what it says. Verse 32, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that. Here it is, third time. The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. When God wants you to know something, he puts it in his scripture one time. When God wants you to be sure you know something, he puts it in twice. When he's like, hey, pay attention here three times. We're gonna come to this a fourth time. Pay attention, the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth, and he gives them to anyone he wishes. You need to get that today. Well, even though he'd been warned, he didn't acknowledge it. So look at verse 33. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of the bird. This is why everybody thinks it's seven years. His hair was incredibly thick. His nails were incredibly long like claws. And this is an actual condition that still exists today, and it's called boanthropy. Boanthropy. And here's, what, here's the definition. Psychological disorder in which the sufferer believes he or she is a cow or an ox, and every one of these things, almost every one of them I read, I read through several, and it said, usually happens to men. And all the women are going, I know that's right, baby, because you think, I knew he was a cow. All he wants to do is eat and sleep and relieve himself, right? You know, you didn't have to put that in the psychological definition. It happens to men. Now, luckily for Nebuchadnezzar, and actually for most men, it's a temporary condition. And for Nebuchadnezzar, it was until he acknowledged that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth. He gives them to whoever he wishes. Verse 34. At the end of that time, so this is still his article. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Now, look, look, how, look what his focus is now as opposed to when he was walking around on the top of his big palace. Then I praised the Most High I honored the glorified and glorified him who lives forever. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify who? The king, capital K, of heaven, because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. Now look at this. This is you need to hear this. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The most powerful man on the planet was humbled by God. And he says, Hey, you need to know this. So here it is. I said this last week, we're writing it down today. Humble yourselves or you will be humbled by the king. He will not share his glory with you. You will be held accountable for your little kingdom, however small it is. You have one. And in fact, I looked this up this morning because I just, God reminded me of this verse. 1 Peter 5, 6, so the New Testament says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You have a choice. You can humble yourself and God says he will lift you up or you can be proud and God says, I will bring you down. I will not, the one thing God will not share with you is his glory. Ask Moses. Moses tried to take his glory, didn't get to go into the promised land. Ask anyone who tried to take the glory of God. He does not share his glory. There is one king. You're not it. I'm not it. The most high is that king. Now, the most powerful man was humbled, and, and do you, you want to know why he was humbled by the king? He needed to know this. Heaven rules 
always. God's in charge always. There is no God like our God. Now, many years go by, chapter five. So we've been looking, we've, we've flown through two, three, four. Now we're about to fly through five and I'm on my next to last page here. So, so chill out. Um, the most high <laughs> has told me what to say today. So blame him, not me. Okay, wait. Sorry, Lord. I, I, I crossed the line. Forgive me, Lord. Now, many years go by and King Nebuchadnezzar dies and his grandson named Belshazzar becomes the king. Now, if you read some of the Jewish um, uh, history, they don't even call him a king because he's such a little rodent. Um, he has such a small empire by this point because the big dog on the block now is, is the Persian empire and Cyrus the Great is knocking off everybody. So the glory days of Nebuchadnezzar, long gone, this little rodent named Belshazzar is the monarch. Not even, they don't even call him a king. Grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, he's on the throne. Now, Cyrus the Great has already defeated Belshazzar's army. They are running for the hills. We don't even know where their commander is. He's probably dead by this point. They have surrounded this great city of Babylon. They called it Babylon the Great. And, um, And Belshazzar is so arrogant that he thinks there's no way the Persians could get through the walls, over the walls, under the walls. We're protected here. Not only that... Remember my, my granddad's, remember Papa's gods, his collection of gods? Let's bring them out. So he brings out Marduk, M-A-R-D-U-K. That's his chosen idol, puts him in the middle, brings out all of the god collection and puts them around to say, Marduk, you have delivered us from all these others. You're going to deliver us from whatever god the Medes and the Persians have. Let's party. So he has a party for a thousand nobles. And, and there's indications that their wives and girlfriends came too. So a couple of thousand people are having a party because our God is bigger than their God and we're going to win even though we're surrounded. We got no hope. <laughs> now, remember when um, Nebuchadnezzar went into Jerusalem, he went and he, he destroyed Jerusalem. He took the, the Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He also went into the temple of the Jewish God looking for the Jewish idol that they worshiped. Did he find an idol? No, because the Jews did not worship idols. The Ten Commandments say, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any image because he's an invisible God. No one had ever seen God. And they didn't know this in the New Testament, though. It says that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the invisible God. They hadn't seen him yet, so there were no images. And so instead of walking away empty-handed, he goes and he gets these golden goblets that the priests used. Their, their little cups made of gold have jewels all around them. You can read about them in the Old Testament. He takes those as a representation that my God helped me defeat your God. So he takes those back. Now, as part of his my God is better than your God show, Belshazzar says, hey, bring out the golden goblets from Jerusalem. Let's drink. Let's have some fun because there's no way we're going down. And they begin to drink. And while they're drinking, they're going, hey, let's praise the gods of gold and silver and wood and stone. And I'm thinking, you're an idiot. Let me praise you, bottled water. This is my higher power. Well, you're in trouble. Just makes me so uncomfortable when I'm reading the scripture and some guy says, oh, man, I praise you. You can't even speak, but I made you with my hands. I'm going to praise you. Well, while they're, while they're doing all of this party and praising all this stuff, Bible says, I'm not making this up, that a hand appears, a human hand. We don't know how big it was. In, in my kid's Bible when I was growing up, it was this massive hand that shows up. And the finger starts drawing on the wall. That would be awesome. 
whatever it was, it's a human hand, and I think, I think Belshazzar's going, dude, who spiked the wine with peyote? Because I'm hallucinating. And here's what it says. Here's what the scripture actually says about Belshazzar when he sees the hand writing. It says, his face turned pale. This is Daniel 5, 6. I didn't put this on your, uh, up here either. It's just I added it this morning. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak, and his knees were knocking. One, one translation said his hip joints failed him, and his knees are knocking. Now, he tries to get the magicians, tell us what this means. Give us the interpretation. They can't do it. And, and we don't know for sure. The scripture's kind of unclear on this. We don't know if it's his, his wife or his grandmother says, hey, Paul Paul had somebody named Daniel that gave him some interpretations. He's still living. Go get him. So they go and they get this elder statesman. Daniel's been in the kingdom over 70. He's over 70 years old by this point. He's been there since he was a teenager. He has served several kings with dignity and honor, never bowing to them, always bowing to the most high who is sovereign. They bring him in and look what he says in chapter 5 verse 17. Then Daniel answered the king. So the king said, I'll give you a reward. And Daniel says, no, 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 no. You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Now look at this. Your majesty, the most high God, the one, not these little collection you got here that you're praising, the God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar. Now, it just says father. They use that as, as your ancestor. It could be, you know, like Father Abraham. He's the father of the whole Jewish nation. So this is grandfather, but he's saying, your ancestor, the, the, the great king Nebuchadnezzar, God gave him sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. The king loaned Papa everything he got. Now, look what happens next in verse 20. But when his heart, Papa, King Nebuchadnezzar, became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory until he acknowledged, fourth time, say it with me loud, the most high God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. <laughs> Papa got it. But he had to go be a cow for seven years before he got it. Hey, dude, your grandfather finally came to the point that he said, the king loaned me everything I ever got. Verse 22, but you, Belshazzar, you little roach. No, that's me, sorry. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew it. You heard the stories. Everybody in the kingdom heard the stories. You knew it and you refused. Now look what he says, verse 23. Instead, you have set up for yourself, set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. What an idiot. Because look what he says. But you, did, you honored things like a bottle of water, but you did not honor the God, the God who holds your little life in his hand. He holds in his hand your life and all your ways. He just ripped his lips off and he says, oh, and here's the translation. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. 
And here's what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. And he says, okay, he repeats it. Mene, mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. If you've ever watched a knight's tale, you've been weighed, you've been measured, and you've been found wanting. Comes from here. You've been weighed, you've been found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple and a gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. whoop de doo because this kingdom ends this night. I'm the third in the kingdom for two hours, you idiot. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. Let me tell you why. About a week ahead of, time, a week ahead of this, Cyrus, the king of Persia, goes and he stops up the, the river, the Euphrates River, part of which was diverted through Babylon to give them fresh water. Big walls. Nobody can get over, under, around, through these big walls. He, he diverts the river, and as the river goes down, what happens? The pathway underneath the wall gets bigger and bigger until the Medes and Persians come storming into the castle and kill the little cockroach named Belshazzar. Your kingdom ends tonight. Now, the message to Belshazzar is the same message to you. And these, this is on your listening guide, and we're done. Your days are numbered, Belshazzar, and whatever your name is, your days are numbered. And, and I say this at almost every funeral I do. The, time, the only time most people think about death is at a funeral, but that seems kind of foolish to me if everybody's going to die. Your days are numbered. You need to pay attention to them. In, in Scripture, in Ephesians, it says, make the most of your days because... These days are evil, and they're not getting better. Second, you are accountable. God said this to Papa Nebuchadnezzar. He said it to Belshazzar, and he's saying it to you. No matter how much power you have, there's going to be someone who has more than you, and you will give a, an account to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods. Number three, your influence is temporary. Oh, you're the third highest in the kingdom for two hours and 12 seconds, and then you're going to die. So, here's the message. You have a kingdom. You have some power. You have some prestige. You have some possessions loaned to you by the Most High God. And I just want to remind you of this one more time. Go ahead and put it up there. The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And when you start to get full of yourself, because we do, we do. We live for applause, applause. We're going to talk about that next week. Live for the applause, Lady, Lady Gaga. <coughs> Come back next week. Come back next week. We, we sometimes get full of ourselves. Remind yourself that the most high is sovereign. And I'm not the most high. And if I will remember this, that he gives to anyone he wishes, then that means I don't, put, I don't ever put myself above you. Because it's the most high God. And I'm not him. And then when you come across, because this is going to happen, you're going to come across people this week who are lower than you economically, educationally, whatever. You remember the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth, and he gives them to whoever he wishes. And just because you live in a nice house does not make you the king. You will answer to the king. And if you'll remember this, if you'll remember this, it's a way to guarantee that whatever you own never owns you. Whatever you possess does not possess you. 
It was given to you. It was loaned to you. And you will answer to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would be a church that never looks down on anyone. Last I checked, I wasn't there at creation. Last I checked, I wasn't around when you knit me together in my mom's womb, not until after you got those cells going and you created me. I I had nothing to do with that. I didn't choose the day I was born, and I'm not going to choose the day I, I, I leave this earth. That means I better pay attention to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, help us to be serious about this. Because the church in America is not serious about this. Too busy looking at other churches. Too busy looking at other people. Looking at at denominations. That stuff doesn't matter to you. You said you, you are searching to and fro to find the hearts of those people who are fully devoted to you so that you might strengthen them. Stir up our hearts so that we will be those fully devoted people who can be strengthened by the King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.